Okay, part two of the question that Normie asked last week is why, why is Rich not here and why am I here? And uh, that's a very good question. But uh, Rich and Paul are in Israel visiting Anthony and Irene, and uh, they will be back uh, next week, fortunately. So uh, Rich asked me if I would uh, fill in this morning, uh, so I said no. Uh, but apparently it sounded like yes. So uh, that's what happened. Um, so when I was thinking about what to do this morning, because you have to have a plan, and a plan is really uh, an, object, an objective or a goal. So usually you set the objective or the goal, then you figure out your starting place and try to work out the details in the middle. Um, and uh, you know, a lot of you probably make plans, like if you're going to have a vacation, you figure, well, here's where I want to go. And, you know, you think, figure out, you know, finances, getting time out of work, saving up money and things like that. But the thing is with our plans is they don't always go uh, the way that we plan uh, because we can't control the circumstances. And I was thinking about this past winter. You've probably seen uh, many people sitting in airports doing interviews on how they should be at some warm destination, but they're sitting in, in some snow-enveloped uh, airport because there were no planes uh, so we can make plans, and we can hope they come out right. Uh, some are more serious than others. Uh, but the fact is we're not in control of our situations. Um, but the good thing is that God has a plan, and that's what's most important in our lives, that God has a plan. And so I was thinking about um, God's plans. Uh, what is his plan? And uh, I'm going to cover a lot of ground tonight, uh, today, uh, if we have time. Uh, so I'll have to talk fast. Uh, but the difference between our plans and God's plans, as I said, that he, he controls all the situations. So he knows what, what his beginning is, what his ending is, and he can control everything that happens in between. But I just wanted to talk a little bit about a few of God's plans and hopefully uh, reach an objective. Um, <clears throat> we know that uh, God's plan started... In the Bible, as we know it, uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God's plan begins in Genesis. And when, when you read through the story of Genesis, uh, you know, you're all familiar uh, with the story. Uh, there are several places uh, in those first few uh, chapters where God looks back and sees what he's done and says it is good. Uh, he says that several times. And uh, as a matter of fact, in uh, one verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Uh, so what happened? Did God make a mistake? Did he not foresee what the event were going to happen? We know that Lucifer, Satan, the fallen angel, enters into the garden and deceives uh, Adam and Eve, and they taste of the forbidden fruit, which they were forbidden to go near. So sin enters into the garden, and uh, uh, so, I mean, God's, God said it was good, but yet there was a problem. Uh, so, you know, why did God allow the mystery of iniquity to come into play in the garden? That is something we don't know. That's why it is a mystery. Uh, but God is in control, and it, that was actually part of his plan, the free will, uh, choosing uh, to trust in God. In Romans 5.12, it says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all have sinned. 
So sin enters the world and death. Uh, now, God's plan was life. Uh, so we have death entering in, but as I said, that is part of God's plan. It wasn't a mistake. It wasn't something he didn't foresee. Uh, just quickly, uh, I'm going to talk about another uh, 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 objective that God had. Uh, in Jeremiah, uh, it said, this was written by Jeremiah when the Jews were in captivity in Babylon. We know that God's chosen people were the Jews to present the oracles of God and to actually bring about uh, the Messiah. But in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And that, those verses actually go on to describe a time in the prophetic future when God will call them back into the land and restore them and eventually they will be uh, uh, saved, as we, as we know it talks about in the millennium. But So here was a, a plan that God specifically had for, for the Jews. Uh, I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you. Well, again, what happened uh, to the nation of Israel? Uh, did God not foresee their sin and their, and their fallenness? Well, that's, again, God knew these things. Uh, in Leviticus uh, 25, God talks to the Israelites through his law. And one of the problems they had was when he taught them about the Sabbath year's rest for the land. The whole idea of Sabbath was trusting in God. Six days they would work, and the seventh they would, they would rest and trust God. There was also a Sabbath rest for the land. They could work the land for six years, and on the seventh year they would let it rest. What the problem is, is that inside of us, we all have that little greedy nature. And I, and I believe what happened is, on the, in the seventh year, they looked at uh, their vineyards and see grapes growing, and they, they saw cattle growing up, and they saw all this uh, financial uh, opportunity that they just couldn't resist uh, taking advantage of it. And so they, they chose not to trust God and to take the, the profits of the land. And God was very patient with them during this period, but, they, but there were 70 Sabbath years that they disobeyed God, 490 years. And that was a debt that eventually they would have to pay back to God. So as I said, God had a plan to bless Israel. But the problem wasn't that God didn't know their, their fallen nature. The problem was that they had a fallen nature. So the problem was theirs, not that God didn't uh, plan this all well. Uh, in verse 18, uh, of Leviticus, Leviticus, it said, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my laws and you will live safely in the land. Uh, now, God promised them that if they trusted him, that the crops would grow, there wouldn't be any weeds, there wouldn't be any bugs, and their enemies would actually forget that they hated them. They would live safely in the land. But it, was, it wasn't that God's planning uh, wasn't good. Uh, it was that they had a fallen nature. <clears throat> and just trying to present a couple of... Uh, uh, times uh, in the Bible where God has had a plan and how it worked out. Um, because of this uh, disobedience, this led to the Babylonian captivity. So uh, the nation of Israel uh, at this point in time was no more. They were, they were carried off into Babylon. And, this, uh, and, and Daniel, uh, while in captivity, was uh, petitioning the Lord, praying to God, and asking him what the problem was. And, and God explained uh, what the problem was and uh, it revealed to Daniel through the prophet Jeremiah uh, what God's plan was uh, for uh, Israel. And uh, I'm just going to look at uh, a verse in, uh, in Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse uh, 
24, uh, where, it, where it explains this. <clears throat> and this is, a very, this is a very amazing prophecy. It says, Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and for your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Now, basically what it's saying in these verses is that if they paid this debt to God, that this would be the end of, of all these things, of the end of sin, wickedness. In other words, that the kingdom of God would finally come into play. But as we know, what happened uh, after 40, uh, 483 years, and I'd love to go into that, but I'm just going to skim over it. 483 years, they paid that debt. But what happened was when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey as their Messiah to save them and to, and to finish this, they rejected him. So again, God didn't, wasn't surprised by this. This is part of his plan. And his plan continues in spite of the interference of, of mankind. Uh, and after all the major and minor prophets, were, which were sent by God to warn Israel, to guide them and direct them and to teach them, in spite of warnings from all the major and minor prophets, they continued to disobey God and turn away from him. And so after the end of the, of the minor prophets, uh, for 400 years there was silence from God. He did not speak to Israel. For 400 years, after thousands of years of hearing God's, God's voice constantly, for 400 years finally he was shut off, they were shut off and they did not hear from him for 400 years. Uh, so what's next? <clears throat> Here is God's plan in the Old Testament, uh, which uh, doesn't seem to be working out, but as I said, God's plan uh, continues, and it, which brings me to, to the point I want to get at, uh, which is the, the next important phase after the Old Testament in God's plan is the birth of the church. And uh, in Acts 1.8, uh, you know, the verse that says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. And that's what I want to talk about the church. Uh, this is the greatest uh, verse in the Bible for the church because all the promises that God had given to Israel, they rejected and those promises were taken away from them. They were cut off, as you remember. God said, cut them off. And we were grafted in. We're going to receive all those blessings and the promises that were for the nation of Israel. We will be the bride of Christ. We will be with the Lamb of God uh, and, and, and heaven, uh, while, while the nation of Israel still has to go through uh, the tribulation and the millennial reign of Christ. That is when they finally will be restored to God. But Acts 1.8 is the birth of the church. So uh, who is the church? And as you know, the church is not a building. Uh, when, when no one is here, when no one is here, uh, this is just a building. Uh, it, it, you know, you, you, when, when you're given directions, you may say to somebody, go down the street and turn right at the church. But it's a church building. It's just a building. We are the church. Uh, you, when you're by yourself, you're the church. When, when two or more are gathered in his name, you're the church. When we're all here, we're the church. There are other churches meeting all over this world. But we are the church, and God has a plan, and that is for us to be used in his kingdom to teach the word of God and to bring the good news uh, to those that still need to hear about Jesus. Um, so we are now in the church age, or the last days, as Paul says. And uh, I want to look at, uh, if you turn to the book of Revelation, 
which I always seem to end up in. Uh, it is always my uh, end, end goal there. Uh, th there are some, there's some information that John wrote in letters uh, to the church, which uh, will give us some insight into uh, God's uh, plan for us and kind of an evaluation of, of who we are as the church. Um, <clears throat> so John was uh, actually one of the disciples that, uh, that the enemy tried to destroy and tried to martyr, but God protected him and actually had him exiled to the island of Patmos where, where the Holy Spirit uh, came to him and revealed the revelation of Jesus Christ. In Revelation chapter 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near." Now, quite often in the book of Revelation, God talks about how the time is being close. Now, for those of us who actually await his return, it doesn't seem like that. But in God's eyes of being patient, not willing that any should perish, uh, God is coming soon. And God has an objective that will be fulfilled and will be completed. Uh, you know, this, this world just doesn't go on as it is for, 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 for eternity. God will change it. He will judge it. He will cleanse it and he will restore all things new, and we will be with him. But as I said, uh, John, uh, through the Spirit, was uh, given some letters about the specific churches, seven churches in the book of Revelation, and there are a couple of different aspects of these churches. For one thing, they are literal. These were real churches that were alive and, and, and functioning in Asia Minor, um, but also they, they represent dispensational periods, where you, can, you, where you can look at the progress of the church and how it performed over, over centuries. But I also believe that you can look at, at the descriptions of these churches and, and, and say to yourself, well, which one more closely fits how I am as a Christian? So I think it's good for self-evaluation as well. Uh, so John was told um, to write this letter to uh, the seven churches. Uh, he says uh, in verse 7, look, he is coming... He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. And so he was told to write these things on a scroll, what you see, and send it to the seven churches. Uh, so we're going to begin uh, with the first church, uh, quickly trying to go through all these. Um, the first one is Ephesus. And I'm going to read uh, this whole letter to the Ephesus, Church of Ephesus. <clears throat> It says, the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And these church, these letters always start out with an introduction of who is uh, sending the letter. Um, I, verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So it says here that God says, I know your deeds. Now he knows the deeds of these churches. He knows the deeds of this church. And he knows your deeds as a Christian. These are things that are aware to God. 
that when we stand before him, we're going to have to give an account of what we did for Jesus. So that's why I say these, these letters are good for self-introspection. Uh, so he's recognizing the positive things. Uh, the word Ephesus means desirable, and he commends their goodness. They began in purity. They were separated from the world, and they accepted only those things in Christ. But verse 4, there's a yet. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So here, there's, there's a judgment here about the things that they failed in. Yes, they were good in the beginning. They were teaching the word of God. They were separated from the world. But all of a sudden, they forgot their first love. And sometimes that happens with Christians. You get saved, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're all excited, everything is new. And then after a while, the, the world kind of sucks the life out of us. We, we kind of assimilate ourselves back into the world, and the flame kind of flickers and, and gets dull. Uh, so that, we need to be in a constant state of being in His Word, being in prayer, being in fellowship, and being uh, renewed in our spirit. So he's, 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 he's just giving them a little uh, admonition here on the things that they need to correct. Uh, in verse 6 he says, But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. Now, the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans were basically uh, a humanistic uh, section of the church. People uh, infiltrated the church and, and started to uh, teach their own doctrines and, and make the church conform to their in, image. And, and, and this is the thing that God hates, when churches fall away from the Word of God and start teaching man's ideas and man's thoughts. And so God hates these things, and he was, he was commending them uh, that they were standing with God in righteousness and rejecting the Nicolaitans. But verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So God is telling us in all these letters, listen, listen to God, hear his voice, listen to his word, be in fellowship with him and in prayer, hear his voice, listen to him. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So through all the hardships that we may face in life, through trials and tribulations, there is an objective that God has for us, and that is to live and reign with him in heaven. And that is a motivator for us to do what is right in the sight of, the sight of God. Uh, as I said, I'm going to move pretty quickly because I want to cover all seven of these churches. Uh, moving on to Smyrna in, in uh, chapter, in verse uh, 8 rather. And Smyrna means myrrh, which is an essence, a fragrance. And it says to uh, the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These are the words of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. So here again, God starts out uh, with uh, giving an evaluation of, of who they are and as a church. And, uh, you know, myrrh, uh, some fragrances, uh, when they're crushed, uh, that's when they give off their fragrance. And this was true of, of Smyrna. They would be persecuted and they would be crushed, but 
in the persecution, they would give off a, a fragrance. But unfortunately, this area in Smyrna was where um, uh, Satan w was really, really strong and powerful in the, in the secular community. And um, the persecution was tremendous. Thousands and thousands in Smyrna were, were, were fed to the lions. Just a horrible uh, persecution in there. They would have to gather in hidden places to worship. They couldn't worship out in the open. So Satan was specifically trying uh, to destroy this church. Uh, but the persecution uh, failed uh, because they were strengthened in their persecution. Um, and, and again, I just want to repeat, repeat where it says, uh, Be faithful even to the point of death. I will give you the crown of life. Now, fortunately for us, uh, we may, may not have to uh, ever suffer uh, death because of our faith in Christ. But uh, there are many that have uh, fallen before us. And even today, the persecution of the church is just very, it's very wicked. Uh, there was a Christian man in Pakistan recently just killed because he was, he was a Christian. And so Christians face this persecution, but God is faithful and he's full of grace and mercy to those that have to suffer such. And again in verse 11 he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be heard at all by the second death. And what it means to overcome is not that you never suffer uh, temptations, you never suffer trials, you never fall, you never fail. What it means is rising up and standing up, brushing yourself off, overcoming and, and starting out again and, and turning your strength and your love uh, to God and service to Him. Uh, moving again quickly on to uh, Pergamum. Uh, now, uh, Pergamum, uh, it says to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. So again, he's commending them for their strong faith. And again, the persecution uh, was just tremendous. And, uh, you know, to see your neighbors being dragged out of their homes and it talks about Antipas, uh, who was one of their leaders who was killed uh, for his faith. Um, so he's, he's encouraging uh, to be strong witnesses, uh, even through the persecution. Now, during the time of, of Pergamum, the, the persecution actually ended with Diocletian. If you remember, there was a verse that uh, talked about ten kingdoms or ten kings. There were ten uh, very wicked uh, and ruthless rulers uh, of Rome uh, who just continually persecuted the church. And it seems like Satan finally caught on and said, persecution is not working because the more he persecuted, the stronger their faith was, the stronger the church grew. And so he tried uh, a new uh, plan. He had a new plan, and that was to remove the persecution, to, to let them live in peace and, and, and seeming safety. And that really was a problem for the church. This was the time of, of Constantine, if you remember that story. Constantine had a vision of a burning cross and felt that he was the one that was going to save and protect the Christian church. Uh, it seemed like a good thing. Um, not that persecution is good, but it, w it was good for strengthening the faith of the Christian church. Um, so, again, he commends them uh, for their good deeds, but in verse 14... He says, nevertheless, 
I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So God is warning them that not only are you don't not only do you not turn from my word, but even worse, you are welcoming in a false teaching that is against, it's an antichrist message against God. Here again, Satan, we, we, you know, Rich has talked many times about Satan, can only be in one place at, what time, at one time, although he has many servants, uh, you know, sinful spirits that, that may roam the world, uh, Satan has... Uh, one objective at a time that he can deal with, and, and killing the churches was his uh, ultimate goal. Um, so Constantine became a, a protector of the Christians and set them free. But the problem was living in safety, the church grew content with their lives. And contentment uh, may seem like a good thing, but it can, it can be a bad thing because uh, it seems like we need God more when we're on, on our knees and praying about a crisis or a situation when we grow comfortable and get content, uh, we kind of say to God, uh, why don't you park yourself right there and I'll let you know as soon as I need you. Um, so they started falling to, to worldly pleasures, false doctrine, and we see a lot of that in the, in the so-called uh, Christian churches that have turned from the Word of God. Pastors start telling uh, people how wonderful they are and how positive thinking and you're a good person and, and, and sin and death and hell and all those things have uh, disappeared. Um, you remember the story of Balaam's donkey where God was trying to send a message to Balaam who was trying to uh, bring a curse against Israel. And uh, Balaam refused to listen to God, so God had to speak to his donkey, and the donkey was the one who stopped and, and prevented him from continuing on. Uh, so we need to learn to listen to God's voice. Um, so again, God says, He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. And of course we know the story of manna. Manna was the food of life uh, for the uh, Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And the, and the white stone uh, represents uh, the purity and the holiness uh, that we will achieve through Christ. And God will give us uh, a new name that he will give to us when we arrive in heaven. Moving on to uh, Thyatira, which means continual sacrifice, he says to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds and your love and faith, your servant and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. So here God is again commending them uh, for their good works. Uh, and again, I just want to point out in verse 19, he says, I know your deeds, your love and faith. And God knows, knows our deeds and our love and faith. And he, he doesn't keep score uh, where, uh, you know, you do uh, two good deeds and three uh, wrong things, and God doesn't weigh them in the balance. Uh, but God knows our heart, and even though our flesh may fail and we may sometimes make wrong decisions, uh, God knows our heart and where our heart is. And uh, he sets his eyes on those that are faithful to him. 
and encourages us to do the things that are right in his sight. Uh, so he was commending them that they did more. They were doing more than even at the beginning. So they were showing progress. They were showing strength. They were showing a victory in Jesus. They were showing that they were faithful uh, to, the, to the word of God. Um, but as in all the others, uh, verse 20 says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality in the eating of food, sacrifice to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I cast her in a bed of suffering and only make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. And again, um, they allowed a false teacher to come in who was trying to teach them the ways of the false gods, which involves sexual immorality, offering uh, sacrifices to false gods, gods that were carved uh, by man's uh, hands. And uh, this was something that God was not going to tolerate. This is a very strong uh, message to Thyatira, and he was giving them a very strong warning that if you lay with this woman, uh, that you would be destroyed and your children would uh, be also uh, destroyed. And he says, I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, God doesn't repay us for our, for our bad deeds. We have the opportunity to confess them to God and they are cleansed and washed white, white as snow. But we will stand before God and he will ask us. I, I, I don't know specifically what question he'll ask us, but he'll ask us something like, what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with my word? How did you live your life? And we have to give an account to him. Uh, and there may be some tears at that point, but uh, God will welcome us in because uh, Jesus Christ is our Messiah, and he will be the one who stands there with us on that day. Um, verse 24 says, now, now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. Again, hold on. And that, that is the message for us. We need to hold on. These are difficult times. We see uh, turmoil in the world. Uh, there, there are so many things going on in this world that affect everyone now. You know, thousands of years ago, whatever happened in the other side of the ocean was irrelevant to us. Even hundreds of years ago, it didn't matter. Now, everything that happens... Uh, in, in this world, in the other side of the world, everything affects us. The economy, uh, oil, and things like that were affected. Uh, but God says, hold on. So uh, hold on to, to what we have in Christ. And uh, it, it says uh, in verse 25, To him, again, who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will have authority. I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Again, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And it appears in the Bible, the evidence uh, that we see, that the Lamb of God will bring the Bride of Christ uh, up to heaven. We'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we will come down and rule the nations uh, in God's kingdom. Uh, <clears throat> uh, moving on to uh, Sardis. Um, 
It says, the angel of the church of Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God in the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Uh, so can you imagine God if he came down to you and said that your faith, you're dead. You're, you're not doing anything. You're just uh, languishing in your faith. And, and, you know, the Bible says that we'll know other Christians by their works. Uh, but it, 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 we can't just assume that because a Christian has no works that, that, that they're not saved. That isn't for us to judge somebody's heart. But it appears from this letter here that it is possible that you can... You can truly accept the salvation of Jesus Christ and be saved and just go on to, to live a life without deeds or rewards. And as God says in his words, be, to be saved by the skin of your teeth, to be saved by fire, all your works will be filthy rags and hay and stubble, will be burned up. When you stand before God, you'll have nothing. So the warning here to this church is, is that you were, you, were, you were alive and now you're dead. Remember your foundation. Remember where you started. Repent. Repent. And that is, that is the message to the churches and to us. Repent if you've gone astray and come back. Um, if you do not re wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come. Uh, verse 4, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And again, the greatest blessing um, of, of salvation is that uh, when you think, when I think about my life and how many different times in my life I've been in a situation where I thought, I, I, I wish that I hadn't made that decision. Uh, I'm in trouble now. Uh, when will this go away? When will people forget? And eventually, time heals most wounds, and, and people do forget. But can you imagine uh, someone standing before God, and he says to them, Depart from me. I never knew you. There is no going back. There is no repenting. There is no changing your mind. Uh, that's just a horrible thought. And that is why God sent us to, to give the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to tell people and let them know that when you stand before God, Jesus will stand at your side, and Jesus will declare us innocent. And uh, we will be welcomed in as good and faithful servants. So, uh, but uh, not not the I was going to say the most important letter. Uh, I think the most relevant, uh, one of the most relevant letters is the message to church in Philadelphia. Because as I said, um, these letters represent different dispensational periods, um, and they apply to to churches. And, and I believe, and many believe, that the, the Church of Philadelphia is actually the born-again, believing church that is, is, is alive in this world today. Um, so let's look quickly at this uh, before we run out of time. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have be placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. 
Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the world in the, on the earth. Now, we know there is a time of, of judgment uh, coming upon this earth, the great tribulation, which is specifically for the nation of Israel to cleanse them and to bring about uh, their, their repentance and their reconciliation with God. Uh, but there will be a great time of testing, a great, uh, actually many millions will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. So the gospel will continue in the tribulation. as It is not the end of those getting saved. Uh, but God is saying to the church of Philadelphia, I know your good works, your involvement with missions. You have a little strength, yet you persevere. I will keep you from the testing that is going to come upon this earth. And personally, I believe that is a literal promise by God that he will keep the church uh, from the testing that will come upon this world. That is a great hope and a promise, I think, that we have from God. Not that we earned it or deserved it. It's a promise from God. He will keep us from the testing. And the most important uh, thing he says uh, in verse 11, not the most important thing, the most exciting thing I think is better, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, I believe that God is talking to this this church, yes, this church, and the worldwide church of Jesus Christ that is being faithful to him in teaching his word and following his commands in being obedient. Not, perf not in perfect, uh, not in perfection. We, we fail, we sin, we fall, we stumble. You get up, you confess your sin, you repent. Uh, but I believe that God is telling us that in verse 11, he is coming soon. So hold on to what you have. Uh, have faith that God, God's promises are true. We can trust in them and that we can have that hope and that promise that we will have a new name uh, given to us by God, that we will be the Lamb of God with the Lamb of God as the Bride of Christ. We will be in the new Jerusalem. We will be ruling the nations. We will be serving God. We will be dwelling with God. That is a promise that he gives. Um, I'm just going to briefly uh, uh, touch on the uh, Church of Laodicea because uh, we're running out of time here. But the, the Church of Laodicea, we know, is... is is it the fallen church? I'm not sure what the right phrase is. The fallen church or the church that uh, is teaching its own doctrines. But in verse 15 it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of your mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do, not, do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked, and it goes on there. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But here, can you imagine God saying to this church or to you personally, I know your deeds. You're, need, you're, you're lukewarm. You, you, I would rather you were against me than, than just to be you know, lukewarm. And that, that kind of relates to uh, the time period back uh, when there were, there were hot springs and they would, they would pipe the hot springs uh, to, to the places where, where, where people could go and enjoy them. But as they pipe these hot waters over a period of time, they eventually would become cooler. And, and the, the cold water that was up in the mountains, again, they would pipe down for people to have cold, fresh water. Eventually, after that travel, the great period, it would become lukewarm. 
And I don't know if you've ever gone to the kitchen sink to get the gla a glass of water and you turn on the water and you, you didn't let it get cold, it's warm. You want to spit it out. You want, a, you want a cold, fresh drink of water. You don't want a lukewarm uh, drink of water. And, and God's saying, you lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. That's something that I don't want God to say to me. And I, I just hope and pray that we all would have a goal to live uh, in Christ and do uh, the things that he has called for us to do. Uh, my whole point uh, that I wanted to get to is out of the, uh, as you look through the, the different uh, uh, letters to these churches here, again, which one uh, do you want God to speak to you about? Which, which characteristics uh, do you want him to say to you that you're good and faithful, uh, that you've been faithful in the beginning, that you're holding on, that you're doing better works even now uh, than what you're doing in the beginning? Or, or are you, have you lost your first love? Uh, are you forgetting uh, who Jesus is in your life, that, that day of salvation uh, that, that came to you? An interesting thing, as I just finish up here, in, in the prophecy of Daniel, uh, God said uh, for Daniel, when God uh, questioned when Daniel questioned God and said, I don't, I don't understand this vision you're giving to me. God, had, uh, God and Daniel had, had this personal relationship where God revealed many things to Daniel. And, and God uh, always made clear what his plan was for, for Daniel. But in, the, but in the case of the prophecy uh, uh, regarding the future nation of Israel, uh, Daniel asked God, I don't understand. Can you explain it to me? And uh, God told Daniel, no, seal it up. It is not for you to know. It is for the time of the end. And not coincidentally, the, Daniel, uh, the, book, the prophecies in the book of Daniel have just come alive in these last days. We see them so clearly. And it is the one book where critics try to denounce more than any other because if the, if the book of Daniel is true, then God clearly is a prophet and the, and the word of God is true. But coincidentally, uh, in the book of Revelation, uh, in chapter 22, uh, verse 10, uh, it says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. And let him who is holy continue to be holy. Uh, in uh, verse 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehoods. I, Jesus, have sent my angels to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David in the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of, of, the water of life. I mean, we look at the world, and I know that I look at the world and say, God, how can you withhold your judgment? The, the wickedness and the evil in this world is just growing and growing and growing. Those that hate God and are turning away from him and not only do they want God to be out of their lives, but they are trying to rip God from us in our own lives and, and preventing us from worshiping him freely. And, and, and there's a verse that says, how long will the nations rage? Uh, but God has a plan and it will be fulfilled. And these people in sin, the wickedness, will be judged and will be cleansed from this earth. And God will fulfill these promises 
that he has given to us, that he will welcome us in, those who have trusted in Jesus. And I just want to finish up uh, with verse uh, uh, 20, where it says, uh, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, so the whole point, again, my objective in going through all this very quickly uh, was just to encourage myself and to you, is just to hold on to Jesus. Remember who it was that saved you. Remember who it was that gave you the promise of forgiveness, who has promised you the gift of eternal life, of a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem, a, a perfect world ruled by a perfect king, where we will have blessings that God says we can't even imagine. You can try to sit down and write a list of how, what you think heaven will be like. God says, don't even try. You can't even imagine. Uh, it, it won't enter your mind or your heart or your soul what God has prepared for those who love them. So hold on to what you have. Hold fast. Be patient. Endure to the end. Uh, he is coming soon, and with him is his reward. Uh, let's pray and give thanks. Father, we know that we weren't worthy of your salvation, but the love that you have for us is great. It's greater than our sin. And we simply need to just confess our sin and ask for forgiveness and confess Jesus as Lord. And Jesus, we thank you that each one who confesses you as Lord and repents from their sin and turns from their wicked ways, that we will be cleansed and washed and made white as snow. And Father, for anybody here that hasn't made that decision, I just pray that you would help your Holy Spirit to convict them right now and help them to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And you've given us a promise again, Father, we didn't deserve it, we didn't honor or, or, or need, or uh, it just wasn't in us, Father God. We were with, without, when we were without you, we were on our own. But now you have come into our lives and given this promise of eternal life. And we just look forward to that day, Lord, but help us just to be strong and hold on until the end. And uh, just, uh, again, we just have come here, Father, to worship you and praise you. You're such an awesome God, and we just long to see you face to face. So uh, thank you for visiting with us today, Lord. We just give you the praise and thanks uh, in Jesus' name.